Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, I guess Pastor didn't tell you where I was last week. Some of you knew I was in Canada. So I had somebody text me and say, are you okay? I went, yeah, <laughs> I'm just out of the country. <laughs> so uh, uh, anyway, so I was in Canada last week at a camp meeting up there, and it was wonderful. So I just decided one of these one of these services was just so good, I decided I would just, I had a whole pile of notes. I just decided you're going to hear them. How about that? The best thing about hearing a good message off somewhere is you get come bring it home with you. You know, I remember years ago, um, Brother Keith Moore taught a, a, something that was, I mean, it was just so dynamic in it. And I remember the title of it to this day. It's called The Iron Did Swim. And uh, I tell you what, everybody loved that thing. I t- it was just one, everybody was talking about that sermon when it was over. And, and I heard this, this uh, pastor was talking to him. He was from Canada over, over in British Columbia. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm gonna go take that home, and I'm going to make everybody in the church a copy. And I'm going to have everybody listen to it. And I said, what is the matter with you? Don't copy them the tapes. You just preach it. <laughs> and he goes, can I do that? I went, of course you can do that. So I decided I'd do that tonight. How about that? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, that's the best thing about the word. It's meant to be shared. There's no copyright on the word. You know, nobody's got rights to it, you know, except Jesus. And he has freely given it to us. So, you know, when you hear a good message, then, hey, it's just time to share it with somebody else. You know, it never comes out just like somebody else did it. So it just comes out my version, you know, and so that's, that's okay. So anyway, we're going to be talking about faith tonight. And, uh, you know, it's the basis for everything we do. It's the basis for our entire lives. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, we, we give the, web, the book away, Exceedingly Growing Faith, how you can learn to develop your faith and grow your faith and, and make it expand and make it work more for you. So faith is, you know, just the very foundation of our lives. It's like the air we breathe, spiritually speaking. It really is because it's that vital to our existence spiritually, just like, just like oxygen is to us naturally. Faith is, is that same vital substance in our lives. And so I want you to go over with me to 1 Thessalonians 3.10. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians 3.10. Hallelujah. Sometimes I look around at people with these, you know, devices, and I'm wondering... Really, can you get there faster than I can get here on the written page? I mean, really, can you? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That just depends. Uh, I, I see Steve sometimes has his over there, and sometimes I beat him to it. So I'm not sure what that's all about. That's okay. Anyway, First Thessalonians 3.10. Back to the topic here. Uh, Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica. Thessalonica and... Um, Starting in verse uh, 9, he says, For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. You know, the Williams translation here says that which needs to, to round out to completeness. 
You know, there are things that can round out our faith so it's complete. Now, Paul was looking, he was writing them. He said, I, I want to come face to face with you. You know, it's, it's much easier to get a concept of how somebody, how well they're doing with their faith when you see them face to face. Because on paper, you can sound really good. By phone, you can sound really good. By text, you can sound really good. You know, but honestly, until you get to get right in somebody's face, it's kind of hard to really know where they're really, talk, where they're really at because you can talk a good talk. But when you get together with somebody one-on-one, you can actually find out where they're at and where they're not. You know, we want to know where we're at and where we're not. So Paul is talking here about the fact that he wants to see them face-to-face so he can find out what's lacking in their faith. And, you know, if we're going to live successfully in this world, we're going to have to get our faith developed. Ministry lines are good. A word, you know, through, through somebody is good. But it's not going to help you help us in the everyday part of life if we're not skilled and accurate in our faith walk. Uh, accurate in their faith means that they never go lacking for anything, that no situation ever finds you at a loss, never finds you with a question mark in your mind, never, never finds you in a place where you, you're just without you know, because I had um, someone, another, another minister who said God you know, spoke to him one night and told him that 97% of, of his people are living beneath what he has provided for them. Now, that's 97% of the whole total population of the church. But since we're a word of faith bunch, that hopefully that 3% that's, that's, that's doing good is... is not here, just 3%. It might be 3% across the board. It might be 3% in some places, in some churches. But hopefully, in a church like this, it's way, 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 way higher than any 3%. Because you've been exposed to so much. But, you know, the thing about it is, you know, we want to live where God wants us to live. We want to live at the same level he wants for us to live in. And, you know, you can have something and know you have it, but not be enjoying it. You know, you have faith. Are you enjoying your faith? Are you using your faith? Is your, is your faith up to par? Is it where it ought to be? I mean, are you really benefiting all that you can from the faith that God put on the inside of you? Well, see, here's what we need to go back to and find out. What was our faith lacking? What can we do to make sure that, that, that we're far and away above that 3%? Because God, like I say, God does not want us to, to not enjoy everything that he has for us. You know, we've been raised and seated with Christ. But are we living like that? You I mean, you can read that scripture all day long. I've been seated together with him in heavenly places. Yeah, but tomorrow when the devil comes at you, with something big, where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself somewhere down here in the circumstance up here? Or do you see yourself like you should? You're up here looking down on that thing. You're finding yourself looking at the bottom of your shoes going, "Uh uh-huh, that's where the devil is. That's where my problems are. They're under my feet. Uh Uh-huh. 
But too often we go through life, you know, looking everywhere but where we should be looking, forgetting where we're seated, forgetting that the view should be very different from where we're seated than what we're currently looking at. Everything that the enemy tries to throw our way should be looked at in the smallest of terms. Not how big he is, not how big the problem is, not how, how much there is to overcome, but how, how minuscule that is, how insignificant that is, how easily that's solved with the word of God. That's where our faith comes into play. And when you find yourself in a place where everything seems overwhelming, you have to know something's lacking. Anybody been there? I know this is not shouting stuff just yet, okay? But anybody ever been there besides me? You know, you've been overwhelmed with some things, and you know better. I mean, your head says you know better, you know better, but somehow I just you can't get a hold of it right here. But when the day comes, you get a hold of it. Now it doesn't matter what anything anybody says to me. doesn't matter what the devil tries to say. doesn't matter what circumstances there are. doesn't matter what my own head tries to tell me. It only matters what's in my heart, and I'm totally at peace with that. That's when you know your faith for in that situation is exactly where it needs to be. You're not beneath in anything where that Part, part comes from. And yet, you know, we go through life and we have times when, you know, we do so well with this area, but we struggle in this one. The same faith that we're using over here that we're doing so well in is the same faith that applies over here in this one. We just, we just, have, to, we just have to learn to use it in both places. You know, my dad was, was a person who uh, you could give him a gift and honest to goodness, he would let it sit there for a year. I mean, he thought he, I guess he thought it had to age, you know, like cheese or something. I don't know. I remember one year I gave him a hot lather machine because he still shaved with a straight razor. He didn't like electric razors, you know, and in the course of time, eventually, you know, he got to the place where he needed to use a, an electric razor, but he was still using a straight edge, and I thought, you know, hot lather machine, that sounds like something Daddy could really use. So I gave him one, and I remember he, uh, he unwrapped it, and he looked at it, Ah, okay. And he put it down on the floor beside his chair. And, you know, it sat, I don't know where he moved it to, but it sat, my mother told me this, that it sat in the box somewhere. I don't know, it's in the bathroom or it's in an office or exactly where. It sat there for a solid year. A solid year. Until one day he got it out and decided he'd plug it in. Maybe, maybe my mother decided she'd get out and plug it in for him. I don't know. But anyway, it got out, and you would have thought it was like magic or something. I mean, you know, this was like the, the thing. And I'm thinking, well, Daddy, you could have been using it for a whole year. Listen, all the things God's got for us, he's already wrapped it all up and just handed it to us. He wants us to unwrap it all and find out what's there and enjoy every bit of it. It's something that's going to make our life easier. It's going to make our life more fun. It's going to make our life just so full and so rich. He wants us to he wants us to use everything and not go lacking in any area at all. Go with me to Ephesians 1 3. You're close by. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Look at that. He has blessed us. 
It's already been poured out. The blessings have already been given, already been, already been made available to us. But the the uh, Norley translation of this says, he's blessed us with everything that heaven enjoys. You see, God never intended us for us to wait to the sweet by and by to enjoy the things that are in heaven. He intends for us to, to find out what those things are and to enjoy those same things while we live down here. You know, we're not supposed to be tied to this economy. We're not supposed to be tie, tied to this society. We're not supposed to be tied to this, this culture. You know, we're supposed to be tied to the culture and the, and the citizenship of heaven that, because we're ambassadors from that country. We've been, we've been sent here on an assignment, on a job, but we still are expected to enjoy the same benefits as the people who reside in that place that is our home because that is our home. We're just, we're living in a strange land. We're foreigners in a strange land right now. Do you understand me? And so he wants us to learn how to enjoy what's there and enjoy it here. You know, if you take somebody out of their country and you send them to another country as an ambassador, they enjoy all the privileges of their citizenship from their home country while they're in this country. They're immune, they're exempt from the laws of this land that they're in, and they're subject subjected to the laws of their own homeland. You know, that's what God wants you to understand. You are under subject to the laws of heaven, to the blessings of heaven, to the privileges of heaven. They belong to you. You do not have to put up with. You are exempt from the things that are down here that other people have to live with because they're not of, of him. They're not from him. So, you know, he wants us to enjoy all that because, listen, it pleases him to see us enjoy all the blessings he's provided for us. I mean, for him to look down and just say, why are you, why are you sick? I mean, I, I gave you healing. Why are you in poverty? I've provided everything you need. All the gold and all the silver, all that's mine. The cattle on a thousand hills is mine, and I gave them to you. God has put so many resources in this earth that belong to us. It's already here. And so he's already blessed us with, with things here. And he's looking down going, they're yours. All you got to do is just go get them. Just go get them. Pick them up. Take them. They're yours. You know, when I cook a meal for somebody, I really enjoy the fact that they enjoy what I cooked. I am not a happy camper if they don't like what I cooked. Now, there are times I can't, I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe you don't like that. You know, I can't really believe that. Really? Come on. I had a guy sit down, I mean, he was a single guy, that honest to goodness at this particular time of his life, he was single, and he had a radar attached to my stove. He lived a few blocks away from us, and it seemed like every night he showed up just as we were about to sit down to eat. You know, and, and, and there are times it's like, I didn't cook for, for, you know, three adults. I cooked for two adults and a kid. And here you are, because this is before Pastor Greg was born. And I'm thinking, well, okay. So uh, either that means that he and I get a little less each, or Ralph just gets all of mine, which is going to be, I don't know. Sometimes Ralph got all of mine. But you know, there were times that he would take something. I mean, I can make a pretty mean roast with mashed potatoes and gravy, you know, it's, it's pretty good stuff. And he, he, so he, he puts this roast on the plate 
he puts he puts some maybe it's rice rice and gravy or maybe it was mashed potatoes I love mashed potatoes better myself but anyway uh, he he puts all this on his plate and then he proceeds to put ketchup on it and I went what are you doing <laughs> you're ruining what I just made. And see, there are Christians who take what God has blessed them with and they try to add something else to it and they ruin what God has made. Stop that. (laughs) My goodness. Get some good taste here. Of course, Ralph just didn't have good taste. I mean, he thought that the way you made tea was you put a pot of water in the oven. I I think he's grown some over these years. It's been, that's been about, 40 years ago, so <laughs> I think he's learned a little bit more. Probably still not much of a cook, but, you know, at least maybe he knows how to make tea now. I don't know. But anyway, God wants you to live in a place where you're always seeing yourself as above circumstances. He doesn't want your mentality to be beneath. He doesn't want your faith to be beneath. He doesn't want your speaking to be beneath. He doesn't want your actions to be beneath what he has already provided for you. It's... The fact is that the more we learn, the higher we will rise in life. Our standard of living goes up the more we learn about the Word of God naturally and spiritually. That's the thing about it. The more you know, the higher you'll go. Amen? And it's, it's true that we are being changed from glory to glory, but the only way we're being changed is by the Word. The Word is what changes us. And the word, the word will challenge you to reach for more. Because the more you see in the word, the more you realize what you have. And what you have access to. You know, we didn't know. I mean, pastor's talking on Sunday about the effects of Kenneth Hagin's ministry on our lives. You know, and the, and the truths that he brought out. Truths that were in the Bible all along, but nobody had ever told us. It's impossible for people to believe God for healing or to believe God for victory in, his, in an area or to believe God for, for providing their needs, you know, whatever they might be, if they don't know he already has. It's hard. So the more you get into the word, the more you know, the higher you will rise in this life. But that means that change should happen every time you come to church. Every time you sit down with your Bible in the mornings, your daily reading, change should occur. Every time you come to service, change should occur. I had an interesting conversation with a gentleman yesterday from Ohio. Kendra had left the office already, and, and usually I don't answer the phone when I don't recognize a number because, you know, all these crazy calls that, you know, everybody gets, they, we get them here at the church as well. And, but I happened to see an area code that I thought I might be familiar, and I might know, and I knew somebody with that, with that area code. I thought, well, I don't recognize the number, but I really don't know their number. I'll, I'll answer it. And at first I thought, oh, why did I answer this phone? But the conversation turned out to be really good anyway. But this gentleman was was uh, he's from Ohio and uh, he has a young man that he's he's very good friends with him and his family. This young man is about to move down here to Florida and the Gainesville area. He wants to go to school, and he said, "I need to find a church that I can send him to. I need to find him a church that'll preach the word." He said, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be happy until I can find some place that I can send him to. So we got to talking. 
And he said, oh, my goodness, I, 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 just, I feel like this is just God that you, were, that you were still there at the office and you took this phone call. And, and we got to talking about how the fact that, you know, he called it the emergent church. And I thought, well, I haven't heard that phrase before, but okay. And uh, he said, he said it, just, it becomes a light show. It becomes a concert. It becomes a Dr. Phil show. I said, yeah, it's, it's a self-help group, isn't it? He goes, yeah. He said, it's not social issues. It's not, it's not, it's not the self-help. It's the word that will change people's lives. And he said, I want to send this young man. He's growing in the things of God and he needs to keep going. But I've got to find a place I can send him that'll preach the word to him. That'll get him hooked up with the word all the time when he comes to church. Every time he comes to church, I thought, well, I said, well, I think you found the right place. Because that's what we intend to do here, is we intend for you to come in and leave a little bit different than when you got here. For you to have changed, something to have affected you while you are here. Change isn't always, some people don't look at it as a good thing. There are things, I, I'm, I'm just kind of a creature of habit. I mean, I can go into, into a house and put a piece of furniture in a certain place, and in 10 years from now, it'll still be in that place, I guarantee you. Unlike my mother-in-law, that from week to week, you never knew where the couch was going to be. Because every time you came in, she changed it somehow, you know. And, but, you know, change is a good thing. You, you're stagnant if you're not willing to change. You will just sit there and get moldy and yucky and smelly if you don't change some things. You can use your imagination on that. <laughs> you know, as, as, as little babies, you have to change diapers all the time. You know, spiritual babies have to have diapers changed all the time too because they're getting rid of some junk. You know, it's, it's so wonderful when you, when you find people who weren't churched at all. We were, I was having a conversation with some other pastors the other day, and, uh, and this, particular, this one particular pastor is from New York. And uh, we, we had this great conversation, and he was talking about all the different kinds of people that are in his church and everything. He, is, he said, honestly, he said, I would rather have somebody who's never been taught much of anything because it's so much easier to get the word in them than to get the junk out of people who've been taught the wrong thing. And I said, absolutely. You know, that, that, is, that is the truth. When people come to you and they know very little about the Bible because they've never really spent any time in it or maybe they never really went to church, there wasn't an opportunity for, for men's traditions to get in there and affect them and, and, get a, and get a foothold in their lives. He goes, yeah, he said, he said, it's great. He said, he has a lot of Hispanics in his congregation. I'm thinking, I said, in upstate New York, he goes, oh, yeah. There's a lot of Hispanics up here. And he said, they're just wonderful people. They don't know much. If they've been brought up in church at all, it's Catholicism, and they're not taught the word hardly at all. He said, so they make great, great members because they just soak it up. They just soak it up, just soak it up, just soak it up. So, you know, maybe they don't need their diaper spiritually changed as often. But you know what? We just need to get acquainted with change because we're going to have to go higher. And higher, you know, in Second Corinthians three, it, it talks about being changed from glory to glory, and the only thing that will change us is the Word and our faith when it takes and puts the Word into action. And um, you know, it's not what I'm doing right in my life that's hurting me; it's what I'm not doing right that's causing it to be less than what it ought to be. It's what's hurting me. It's what's keeping me back. You know, there are times, I, you know, every once in a while, something will pop out, and I'm thinking, 
where did that come from? You know, and when I investigated it a little bit more, I went, yeah, some of that old religious thinking that I was brought up with just, you know, it's still kind of deeply rooted in there. And every once in a while, here it comes out just kind of the blue, nowhere. And you think, well, I thought I got rid of that a long time ago. You know, some of those things are so deeply embedded that we, we're, it shouldn't surprise us that it takes us so long to really, truly uproot every little bit of it. You know, there's like a tumor. Most tumors, if you can get them, if you can get them out in their entirety, or sometimes even almost completely, they won't grow back. Certain kinds of tumors, if there's even just a few cells of it left, they will start multiplying again. Even though you've removed most of it, they'll start growing again. Until one day you go, oh, where did this come from? Well, it's because you didn't get all of it out to begin with. But, you know, don't feel bad, you know, when when somebody tells you you need to change something or the word kind of hits you in the face. You ever sat in a service where something was said and you went, I hope nobody saw me flinch. You know? Okay, just kind of keep a straight face. Nobody will know. Of course, you sit on the, when you sit on the front row, nobody's likely to see that except whoever, whoever's, whoever's preaching. <laughs> you know, but it's not a bad thing. You know, to, to be able to just go, ouch, means you recognize it. You recognize there's something that needs to be changed. The person who has got that hardened heart just kind of listens and it goes right on by. They'll never make it in the things of God because they're not open. That's called being teachable. They're not open. Or else certain subjects they're not open to hear. They've already made up their minds about something, and they're not open to hearing anything else. See, now that's a dangerous place to be. But God wants us to get into the Word and let Him show us what we need to do to be able to affect enough change in our lives so that we can see our faith work better and better and better. He wants the word to encourage us that there is more out there for us, that we can have it. If we just reach for it, if we just reach for it, we can have it because it's there. You know, God's not going to come and just and plop it in your lap. He's going to say, here, here you go. Now, what do you have to do? What What did you do when you got born again? You had to receive Jesus, didn't you? What did you do? You got spilled, filled with the Holy Ghost. You had to receive the Holy Spirit. It was always available, but you had to receive it. And so there's something for us to do. Listen, obedience is one of the biggest things that activates the covenant of God. Obedience. Obedience. You can, how about the person who, in fact, his dad, Hagen's told this story one time about a man who came to him and said, Brother Hagen, I've been tithing for years. And if it's ever done me one bit of good, I can't tell it. Now, wouldn't you like to have somebody come here come and say that to you as a pastor? And he, Brother Hagen looked at him and said, Nope, not going to do you a bit of good unless you mix faith with it. Listen, I grew up in a, in a church that, that taught giving. And so we just did it, and it was more. But nobody ever, ever said you got to put your faith with it and expect a harvest from it. Ex- expect the blessings to return to you because of it. They just said you need to give. Well, we did. And we were blessed to some extent. You know, I can, I can tell you that we, we saw blessings in our life, but not 
to the extent that we have since we realized that when you actively put your faith with your giving, that things happen. Actively. Actively put your faith. You know, every Sunday morning, Pastor and I, you know, in the back room before we come out here, we pray over our offering. You know, telling the Lord, thank you. You know, we honor him by giving, giving this back to him, this part that belongs to him, that he's called his. We're, we're participating with him by, and honoring him with that. And we just thank, thank God that it comes back to us, that we're blessed, that every need is met, that we always will have plenty to give and plenty to live on, that we'll be furnished to be able to give to every good work. I mean, that's putting your faith with your giving. You should never. Just take money and just throw it in there without saying, thank you, Jesus, for the return. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that are on this. Thank you, Lord, that, that, that money's coming back to you, that blessings are coming back my way, that prosperity belongs to me, that every need I have is met, that I'm help, able to help somebody else when, their need, when they need something. I'm able to give to this. I'm able to give to that. You know, I always have more than enough for me and for somebody else. That's really giving out of faith and not just obedience. You know, praying a lot is just no substitute for faith. You can pray all the way, but if you haven't got faith mixed with it, it's not going to do you any good. You know, just in natural things, I, I, I've already said faith can't make up for a lack of um, good financial money management. You can't. There are some things, you know, that you, you're going to have to put with this. And so praying is, is not a substitute for obedience. It's not a substitute for faith. You can pray all day long. But if you won't put your faith on it, it won't, nothing will happen. Faith is the unalterable condition to the blessings of God. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And faith is our part. Now, power is God's part. You don't have to worry about God doing his part. You just have to be concerned about whether you're doing your part. You know, in Isaiah one nineteen, it says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Willing and obedient. In Deuteronomy, it talks about, verses 1 and 2, it talks about hearkening to the voice of the Lord. Doesn't that say the same thing as, as listen and obey? To hearken means to hear and to do. To hear and to do. You know, and that's, that's really what so many times that people don't, they'll hear it, but they won't put it into action. They'll hear it, but they won't do it. Well, why not? Sometimes they don't agree with it. They hear it, but they don't agree with it. God didn't ask you for your agreement. Just like when I told my kids growing up, you know, I, need you to, I want you to do this. Uh, I didn't ask for their agreement on it. You know, and so, you know, God's not looking for us to agree with him. He's, he's looking for us to obey. You know, the primary over here for years and years and years. I guess they still sing the song, don't they? O-B-E-Y, obey your mom and dad. We should sing that in big church sometimes. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? O-B-E-Y. Hey, you know, it's a small little word, but it carries so much weight. For you to really get into the word and for it to change you, you must look at it, you must agree with it, you must act on it. Hallelujah. Um, obedience is what will shut the door on the devil. 
People sometimes think, well, why are there so many conditions to this? Listen, God put the conditions there so that, so that when he says, if you do this, these blessings will come. He did that as a locked down, airtight, nothing can, can move it. Yes, guarantee that this will happen. For your sake and for the devil's sake. Do you understand that? He put those conditions there so that when you meet them, you have an iron-clad contract with God that he will always honor. Always. And when you can, and we can look at the devil, and he goes, that, that's not going to happen. You go, no, 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 no. I know the guarantor of this contract. Got no problem here. You know, I know, I know him personally. And so he is going to do exactly what he said he would do every time he said he would do it. Uh, the blessings, you know, that come to us because of faith. The fa- it's not here to help you. These, I mean, hinder you. The, the blessings, the conditions are here because we have to walk by faith. We have to live by faith. Jude verse 3 says, earnestly contend for the faith. Listen, you have to always know where to go and how to get what you need. If you don't contend for the faith on a regular basis, on an ongoing basis, you will lose sight of the things that God has in store for you. Abraham, when Abraham and Lot began to have dissension between, between their homes, their households, you know, Abraham looked at Lot and he said, okay, you decide which way to go. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you want to go to the left, I'll go to the right. What Abraham meant when he said that was, no, it doesn't matter where I wind up. God is my source and God will bless me. And so Lot took the well-watered plains because it looked to him like the easy place to go, the plentiful place to go. Listen, God can bless you in the middle of a desert. God can bless you up in the mountains. God can bless you anywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're contending for the faith, the blessings will flow. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, faith is like the hub. You've got a big wheel. Faith is like the hub. And there are other things that are connected to that. I'm going to go over to, uh, let's go to Second Peter. Hallelujah. Second Peter, chapter 1. Let's start in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of, of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, participators in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Listen, go back up to verse 3. It says, through the knowledge of him. You know, I, I, I just, you need to understand, just like over in Colossians, that one of the things that Paul prayed for was that people's eyes, the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they might know, they might have knowledge of, that you might be filled with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Those are great prayers for you to pray for over yourself every single day. Because, listen, the devil's counting on, you, on your ignorance. He's counting on you not finding out what belongs to you. He's counting on you find, not finding out who you are. 
He's counting on you not finding out what God has provided for you. He's counting on you not finding out what power is in your hands that has been given to you, what dominion belongs to you. He's counting on you not knowing all those things. And so you have to counter that by finding out exactly what is in the Word and what you do have. You know, Gloria Copeland said this. uh, She said, if you're doing all you know to do, the problem might be that you don't know enough. Isn't that true? If you're doing all you know to do, maybe you just don't know enough. There was a lady who, who, went to, to, who came to Tulsa to the healing school at Rama, a lady who had a very good job, high-paying job, but she was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And when she found that out, she decided, I need to go someplace where I can find out some things. And so she got to healing school, and what she decided, told him was she said, I decided I wasn't going to die prematurely because I was ignorant. So I came here to get rid of my ignorance. She came to healing school, sat under the word, began to get filled with the knowledge of his will where healing was concerned, and she left there healed. And there are times when people won't put the time. They've got a situation in their lives. They won't put the time into finding out what the word of God says to go to the places where God has said go to to find out what he's got to say and what the Word's got to say about that problem so that they can get rid of it. You know, and once you know all that you need to know, I mean, I go back over to Ephesians as having done all to stand. Well, have I done all? Have, have, I, have I exhausted the Word on this particular subject? Have I, have I, have I put it in my heart? Is it deeply rooted in with, in, within me? Am I at rest, you know, where this thing is concerned? You know, can I just, can I believe God? Am I, am I believing God for this or not? When you've got to that place where, yes, I am, I am believing God for this and nothing's going to move me, then having done all to stand, stand. But if you've done all you know, check up on what you know. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.